Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. So it was a trade. And I didn't quite understand what was going on. When the seventh pick makes the pick for the eighth pick, and the eighth pick makes the pick for the seventh pick, and then they decide to trade picks, the whole thing doesn't make any sense. But the Pacers end up with Jarris Walker. And Pacers fans seem pretty happy. Tony Katz, good to be with you. JMV joins us right now from 93.5107.5, the fan. And I was texting with him. I'm like, explain this. He goes, I'm, I'm a man with a theory, Tony. But I can't tell you my theory is absolutely correct. I think it is. Talk to me about what happened, why the Pacers decided to take uh, uh, Koulibaly with the seventh pick, Bilal Koulibaly, only to trade him to the Wizards, who had the eighth pick, who then picked uh, uh, Jarris Walker and brought him to the Pacers. Well, you can look at it two different ways, Tony, as we talked about last night. So you can look at it as the Pacers just saying, hey, Wizards, uh, we're sitting here at seven. Uh, we're getting a lot of calls uh, about the dude that you want here at number seven. So, you know, we can get a little extra something from them and still get our guy. Um, so maybe in this case, would you guys like to trade up, give us a couple second round future picks, a little bit more ammunition, I guess, whatever, and uh, get your guy and then we'll still get the guy in Jarris Walker that we ultimately want. I mean, that, that was my theory. I think that's how that went down. I mean, some people have kind of painted the portrait, Tony, of maybe uh, Kevin Pritchard, um, you know, kind of just squeezing out two picks um, in, in sandbagging a little bit with Washington and, and getting it done that way. I just kind of look at it as they were fielding calls from other teams about the guy that the Wizards wanted, and the Wizards wanted to make sure they secured their guy, thus moving up one selection um, or, or trading, in this case, trade, drafting Jarris Walker at eight, who the Pacers wanted, and the Pacers got uh, Kulbali, whatever his name is, um, at number seven. It, here's the thing. You mentioned this at the outset, Tony. They've got to upgrade, do some different things at this NBA draft because it is really hard for people to understand what in the hell's going on. I mean, it really is. I mean, even somebody like me that follows this the entirety of the time, you got dudes going up on stage wearing different hats, and they're traded here and traded there, and you find yourself following everything for the truth about what's going on at the moment on Twitter. And if I'm the TV producers for the ESPN and ABC shows on, on, on the NBA draft, I don't want that. I don't want that. So I want to make sure that people are watching me, and you've got everybody's attention everywhere. That's something at some point I think the NBA draft is going to have to fix about the problem there, because that is kind of off-putting to people, especially people trying to track down who their team's drafting sometimes. But who they eventually got, the Pacers got, and it's an interesting point about how the, the TV audience works and keeping them uh, in in one spot. Uh, Jarris Walker, this is Houston. You had brought him up uh, yesterday. Uh, Pacers fans seem quite pleased. Uh, tell us about uh, Walker, and is this, as you described yesterday, is this your wing guy? Yeah, it is. I mean, somebody you bring in right now, uh, somebody you can mold, somebody that looks like he could fit in with the core group right here. Uh, Tony, you know, I mentioned yesterday, there's this term, and you probably heard it a, a number of times last night, 3 and D. It's a guy that 
can knock down threes on one end and then put up defense on the other end. Three and D is what they call it. And he is one of those guys. He may not be as good or as accomplished shooter as he is going to be right now, but he has got that. And what he had to me, Tony, and we talked about this yesterday, is he's got that NBA ready-made build. He looks like to me a guy that you can thrust into the rotation right now of the Pacers, and you're not going to have to sit. And you're not going to have to wait. Well, he's got to get a little bit more strength. He's got to get a little bit more maturity. He's got to get a little bit more of this, a little bit more of that. He's somebody I think that you could fit rotationally right now and you wouldn't feel bad about it. And you wouldn't have to bench him for a long period of time. Now, I don't know. Maybe that's what happens with him. I mean, maybe there is a growth process there with Rick Carlisle. But he looks to me to have the build, the strength, and the features that this team needs in the present to be at least a rotational guy and to grow into a core guy that they want. I liked him a lot at that position. I think the Pacers are really fortunate that they have him, and uh, we'll see what happens moving forward. But, no, I think that was a good pick last night. And if if Kevin Pritchard ended up squeezing out a couple of second-rounders in the future uh, by doing that with the Wizards, then then so be it. But uh, good pick with Walker last night for sure. As we discussed, talking to JMV from 93.5107.5, the fan, with, with so much of what we see in Indianapolis, it's constantly rebuilding, 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 and fans are, are very much exhausted. They want to see some things happen from these rebuildings. But just like we saw when we talked about the Colts with Chris Ballard, there is a conversation regarding Kevin Pritchard, who I, I've met only a few times. I, I, I dig the guy about whether or not he indeed was on the hot seat with how this team has been built, how this team has, has progressed, and whether or not there's a real long-term future here. Did this pick and these moves secure him? him for a few more years in the eyes of the Simons or is this still a wait and see and anything could happen this year kind of moment for him no Tony you're absolutely right about one thing here he's got momentum right now I mean he's got momentum in terms of going back to the Halliburton deal and how that worked out now getting the centerpiece of your team surrounding other guys with Halliburton that deal um, has helped him out I think what I described it yesterday Tony they have they have selection and decision-making momentum. And it sounds really nerdy, me saying that. I don't mean to sound nerdy, but it does. They have decision-making momentum going because they made two really good decisions a year ago. You know, Benedict Matherin, uh, number six overall, I believe it was. Um, and then you end up drafting Andrew Demhart. Both of these guys as rookies played some significant role time with this Pacer team, and you could see them as core members in the future. They're the same for Walker. We'll see how Ben Shepard works out at the end of round number one. But right now, they are – and this is kind of what happens. It's like with decision-making with you, with me, whatever. When you get on a roll, you get good fortune. And they've had some good fortune on the way here recently. So, yeah, I think that with the eyeballs of the Pacer fans, Kevin Pritchard is working on a clock that is favorable for him right now, much more favorable than it was – two years ago before they went into that draft where they had Chris Duarte because that was a time when people were questioning the future. Right now, it appears to me that Pritchard and Buchanan and company are in a pretty good spot as far as decision-making is concerned. So now you you bring in Walker. You're the team. Here comes Walker. Who on this team is now wondering where they're going to play next? Who? Where does the shuffle happen with uh, uh, Jairus Walker? Who is gone? Well, Tony, you and I are going to have some interesting conversations in like the three weeks to come once free agency begins. Because, yeah, I, O'Shea Brissett is uh, probably in a situation right now 
that's not the greatest um, as far as moving forward here, I would have to think. Here's a name to watch, and you and I can debate on this because I think he needs to be around. But there are so many teams that have been calling um, uh, regarding, you know, I mentioned O'Shea Brissett. Uh, Buddy Heald is a guy that so many teams have been calling about because he's such a knockdown three-point shooter. Uh, and he does it in volume, meaning that he's not just a taker, but he is a maker. He's somebody that you have to tag, somebody you have to guard out there. Whenever he's on the floor, you have to account for him. To me, that's a big deal. And to me, if I'm the Pacers, even contractually, if you don't have him locked down long-term, he's somebody that you need right now. The reason why you flurried a couple of different times last year, especially in December, is because of his shot-making ability. That's the way the NBA is played right now. I think you have to find a way to make sure he stays on this team, but that's going to be an interesting name to watch because his name is floating around in various trade situations, various trade scenarios. And again, there is a roster crunch. So the Pacers will have to do something. But at the top of that list, I think O'Shea Brissett is probably a dude that might have issues. Isaiah Jackson, Tony, Jalen Smith may have some issues too as you got two bigs of the future right there you may only need one so one of those guys may also find it hard to find a seat on this roster moving forward that is jmv from 93.5107.5 of the fan i appreciate you as always being with us on the drivehubler.com hotline